Welcome back to another new episode of Now Hear This Entertainment, featuring interviews with guests who are having success in entertainment, primarily music. I am Bruce Wozniak, talking to guests who are singers, songwriters, musicians, recording artists, and more from the worldwide music community. Do please stay connected. You can write to podcast at nhte.net, or instead of email, you are welcome to DM me through the at Now Hear This Entertainment Instagram account. Anything and everything to do with this podcast or the entertainment industry itself, I look forward to hearing from you. Today, Wednesday, December 7th, is the final day to enter the giveaway that I've mentioned on the last two episodes. I will give you those details one last time in just a bit. Joining me today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from Chicago, my guest is a singer, songwriter, guitar player, best known to 60s music fans as founding guitarist and backing vocalist of the Buckinghams, a pop rock group that had seven national chart hits, 15 singles, and eight acclaimed albums, including the distinction of three singles on the national charts simultaneously. In 1967, Billboard proclaimed them the most listened-to band in America. While he continues to perform with the Buckinghams, present day, my guest continues to write, record, and perform, both with other artists as well as for his own projects. You've been hearing a song of his called 99.9? Welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, Carl Giamarisi. Well, thank you. Thank you for that. Well, that's quite a build-up. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me on the show, and I, I couldn't wait to do this. Uh, my dear friend, uh, Lisa McClowry, spoke so highly of you. I said, well, i, I got to get on with him and do this show. Wow. So here we are. Yeah, thank that, you. That's nice to hear. Yeah, thank you so much for making time to talk to me today. Let's start off by having you tell the audience all about the song that was just playing called 99.9. Well, it's off an album we did back in the 90s, and we had the opportunity to record again uh, after many years. Uh, I'm talking about the Buckinghams, not doing any new music. And uh, I was approached by, uh, his name is Phil Vaughn. He had a record label called Nation Records out of Chicago, and he kept uh, bugging me to do, do a new album. And it caught me off guard a little bit because I had been writing, but a lot of the songs... I didn't really feel were Buckingham songs. It was a pretty eclectic album of of, uh, of different different styles of songs and whatever. But ninety nine point nine is a favorite of mine because it gave me an opportunity to really expand uh, vocally um, and you know something different for me vocally. And and also there's a uh, this, I believe it's the second verse in there that I actually sang in Spanish and. Uh, I've had my Spanish friends tell me the pronunciations were really good. Mm. It sounded really authentic, so that made that pleased me a lot. But I did expand quite a bit vocally. Uh, I had to stretch my vocal ability to do a lot of parts on that song, and it came out really nice. And it's 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 basically a love song. Uh, you know, ninety nine point nine. He couldn't quite give her a hundred percent. You know, is what it's what it's about. But it's. Uh, uh, you know, I think one of the best cuts on that album, and the album is called Terra Firma. And uh, like I said, that goes back to, I believe it was around 1995 when we recorded that. I'm glad that you pointed out about singing in Spanish, because when you sent me the song and I played it, I was taken aback by that. And I thought, wow, I didn't know this about him, and I don't know if I expected it. <laughs> so for what it's worth coming from me, it was convincing to my ear. <laughs> Uh, well, I'll tell you something interesting was I wrote the song uh, many years before, and I actually wanted to do part of it in Italian, my mm. my uh, Italian heritage, you know, and I had my grandmother translate it in Italian for me. But then when it finally came around to doing the song, I thought, well, I think it's more appropriate to do it in, in Spanish, you know, it, it would make more sense at this point. And then I saw so I had somebody... Uh, uh, kind of uh, helped me out with uh, getting my my Spanish pronunciations correct and so forth, and, and that's what we did, you know. So it's uh, I, I don't I know a little bit about I don't really speak Spanish, so uh, and very little Italian either, by the way. Uh, but um, but anyway, it worked out, and I'm I'm really glad we did it. But you just brought up something interesting there, though, which is that 
the Italian aspect is unique because you said it's from your heritage and you had your grandmother do the translation. So emotionally, you might get attached to doing it that way for personal reasons, but then you have to take a step back and put on your business hat and say, well, which might be more commercially accepted? And you convince yourself that it's Spanish. And I don't know that the audience is aware that those are some of the things. And I don't know, Carl, would you call it some of the sacrifices that you have to make? I would say so, yeah. And, and, you know, you you sort of measure the climate, the way things are today. And, uh, uh, you know, let's face it, Spanish is, you know, our second language here in this country. And um, and it just made more sense to to do that to to do it that way. You know, the one regret I have is that I've never had the opportunity to perform that song uh, live. Mm. And uh, you know, the Buckingham Show when we perform out, it's it's a it's definitely a '60s show, and uh, we do a lot of our own songs along with some of the songs that were uh, big hits back in the day. You know, alongside the Buckinghams back in '67, '68. And uh, so it, it's it's hard to fit a song like that into uh, into our show, but who knows? One of these days, that's maybe right. It'll work out. Yeah, the word "yet" popped into my head when you said I haven't been able to perform that song live. I thought, well, not yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're going to play another song of Carl's at the end of this episode. However, there's yet another song, a cover song that you just released a music video for, Carl. Share with the audience what I'm referring to and also how you chose that song to cover. Well, um, I met uh, uh, Dave Mikulskis, his name is. He plays in a band in Chicago that's pretty well known. It's a tribute band. And Dave has this incredible voice. He sounds like, uh, uh, he sounds a lot like Steve Perry from Journey. He's got that high voice. and. Mm. And I met him through Lisa McClowry. Uh, she introduced us. And uh, she said, oh, you should do a song with Dave. You know, that'd be great. So we, Dave and I got to talking, and we met, and I didn't really know him that well and, and so forth. So we, we talked about, well, let's do something. You know, let's, let's just, just throw something out there just to do something together and harmonize. And so he came up with um, Easy Lover. And uh, at, at first, we just grabbed a karaoke track, uh, which sounded the track sounded a lot like uh, uh, Phil Collins' original recording uh, with Phil Bailey, and uh, and so we sang to that, and we sounded pretty good, I thought. But then I said, well, nobody needs to hear that again, done the same way. Uh-huh. So in my studio, I cre- I created uh, a new track, a basic track with. Uh, I laid it back a little bit more using percussion instead of slamming drums and. and uh, uh, more acoustic guitar and more acoustic instruments, and and then we laid down some vocal tracks, and we thought it sounded pretty good. You know, it, it really came out good. And then we decided, hey, why don't we do uh, just a a quick little video thing? And um, I did the video pretty much the same way when I worked with Lisa McClowry. We did, I did my end of it at home, uh, recorded, put myself on one side, and then uh, Dave put hi- himself in there, and he did. The video editing, he's real good at that. And, you know, before you knew it, we, we had a nice little video of the song and put it up there on YouTube, and uh, it's out there now. And uh, it's just another fun project. I like to do different things when I when I have the time. Yeah, and I watched the video. I also watched your two videos with Lisa, and I love that technique that you employ because it's very convincing. I thought that this Easy Lover video, I thought the two of you were standing right next to each other. So this is news for me to hear right now that you weren't. So job oh, well done. It, it is. Just like the one with Lisa where, you know, we did Don't You Care. And I'm on leaning against the wall and she's on the other side. It looks, kind of looks like we're in the same room. Yeah. But, uh, and that was her, her video editing. Uh, she's responsible for that. It was her idea to do that song. And uh, it's I don't want to get into a long thing about her, but uh, she is just a remarkable, talented uh, singer and entertainer. And uh, you you know, I mean, you you already interviewed her, and people know what she's all about. But it it was incredible to work with her and did all those, did the videos. Uh, We even did a a Sting song together, a video. And uh, I never met her in person. Mm. And uh, finally, she came back to Chicago, and and that's when we... uh, we worked on uh, 
I Will Love You Forever, the song that I started, uh, that I had written, and she she uh, rewrote the lyrics with me, and she produced my, my vocal on that, and it just came out great. So it's 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 just, uh, you know, you have to be creative all the time, and that's, the Buckinghams keep me really busy. I'm, you know, we're still playing quite a bit, um, but uh, when I've got some downtime, I just have to do other other projects <laughs> that uh, keep me excited. You know, there's something that you said in there that I want to go back to though, because I think it's a great teaching moment for anyone in the audience who is an aspiring performer. And Carl, what I'm referring to is you said that with Easy Lover. People don't need to hear it the way that Phil Collins and Philip Bailey did it, because if that's what they want to hear, they're going to go to the original track. So I love that you said people don't need to hear it that way. I'm going to put my own arrangement on it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's it. If you're going to do a cover song, uh, then it, it's really I think it's really important to to uh, give it something new and uh you know, something that uh, listeners will find interesting and just, you know, a new twist on the song, uh, if you're going to do it, if you're going to cover an old song. So that's what we tried to do with that. And uh, it's, you know, so far, it's, it's, it's only been up there on YouTube for, for a short time and, we're, you know, getting a lot of hits on it. Yeah, I saw that. And uh, it, it's great to do that. Yeah. And I hope to do some more uh, original songs uh, with Dave. Uh, I've got a couple other projects that I want to work on, and so him and I will get together and uh, do something else, I'm sure, in the near future. And I want to clarify for the audience that just because Carl and I are talking about the video, that song was actually released as a single, meaning you can get it on iTunes. So the Easy Lover version that we're talking about that Carl is describing, that's available for a digital download, and it's a song that... I'm glad that Carl is having the discussion with me that he is because I don't want you to listen to it and say, you guys don't sound like Phil Collins and Philip Bailey. You know why? Because they're not Phil Collins and Philip Bailey. So appreciate (laughs) the arrangement that Carl put on it and then download it from iTunes. And yes, of course, watch the video. Yes, it is on all the streaming sites, including Spotify. And and, uh, uh, so there are many ways you can you can download the song. Wonderful. Um, So that's, uh, you know. It's great. Wonderful. It's all good. Wonderful. Folks, I mentioned this in the intro. The day this episode is being released, Wednesday, December 7th, is the very last day to enter the giveaway for your choice of a vocaster from Focusrite. It is an audio interface that they launched in June specifically for content creators. That ranges anywhere from podcasters to anyone doing live streaming to people doing spoken word, voiceover work. There are four different models you can choose from in terms of which one you would want to win all the way up to the Vocaster 2 Studio, which means that you would get the interface that I have with jacks for two mics and two sets of headphones, and you'd get a microphone and headphones. As I've said the last two weeks, even if you think this is something you wouldn't use, A, you might be wrong, (laughs) but B, enter anyway, and if you win... Pay it forward and give it to someone who will use it. To enter, go to focusrite.com slash N-H-T-E, which is fast and easy to do. I have looked at the entry form. Again, that's focusrite.com slash N-H-T-E. The winner will be notified tomorrow, Thursday, December 8th. So make sure that you have entered. It's that old expression, you got to be in it to win it. I hope you're listening to this episode on the day that it comes out and can enter right now before the window closes. One more time, where to go to enter? It's focusright.com slash N-H-T-E. Very good. Carl, back in April of this year, I was in Las Vegas, and I had the pleasure of meeting Lisa McClowry and interviewing her in person for what would be episode 430 of this show. And folks, I will put a link to that on the show page for Carl's episode on my podcast website, nhte.net, so you can go back and listen to the conversation I had with her. But, Carl, do I have this right? You recently released your third duet with Lisa? Well, uh, the, the last release with Lisa was I Will Love You Forever. And uh, um, that that was uh, that is the single. And once again, that's available on, on all these streaming sites, too. And, uh, you know, got quite a bit of attention, and we're, we're uh, kind of excited about that. And we haven't really done a video for that song. 
And, um, you know, I'll tell you, Lisa, her, her schedule, she's, she is so busy. I mean, she is, uh, as you know, doing legends in Vegas and then she's got the beat goes on with, with her band and she's doing a lot of dates. So it's, it's been hard to, uh, get together and do anything else right now. Uh, and, and of course, you know, my schedule right now is, uh, the Buckinghams are playing dates here and there until the end of the year. We've got a Christmas show coming up. And, uh, and of course, I was on the Happy Together Tour all summer. I don't, I don't want to jump into that right now. You might want to ask me something about that mm-hmm. later uh, on the show. But uh, but that was uh, quite a tour, you know, which I've done many times through the years. And as we've started to hear with the song that not only you did with her, but the song that you did, Easy Lover, and other work that we're going to talk about as this interview goes along, you're very busy yourself, whether it's, the Buckinghams, whether it's your own projects or whether it's other collaborations. Although, thanks to the internet, you and Lisa were able to work with each other remotely during the pandemic. But share with the audience about what you were doing for fans during COVID from your basement studio. Well, um, you know, uh, the lady that uh, you, you uh, I introduced you to, Donnelly Wakefield, pushed me to uh, she said you should do some videos and do do some songs and talk to the fans and and uh so i started thinking about it i said yeah why not that'd be a good idea so here i am in my basement with my my little setup and mostly with my acoustic guitar and and my vocals and uh and you know and it's pretty crude pretty rough i mean i didn't try to do any major recording uh quality wise it was just supposed to be more spontaneous and it was and a lot of times I would talk to my audience a little bit and try to be encouraging, especially especially at the point where the pandemic was uh, raging and, and everybody was just kind of locked down and things were not going real well. And so it, it was special for me to be able to talk to our fans and, and be encouraging and, and hopefully uh, pick someone up a little bit. And uh, so, you know, I would do that. And sometimes at the end of a song, I would do that. And, and, and I would just pick different songs to do. I, I sometimes occasionally would would sing, uh, you know, just play guitar and sing a Buckingham hit. Uh, sometimes uh, a song that I had done with uh, when Dennis Tufano and I were a duet, uh, some of the old Tufano and Jim Marisi songs. Uh, and then simply just some favorite songs that uh, uh, that I thought were kind of special, uh, uh, you know, like the Beatles song, I'm, I'm a Loser, I did that, uh, did uh, Blackbird, um, you know, I, I don't know, we, we must, I probably uh, sang and played about uh, 20, 30 different songs over the course of uh, uh, that one year, mainly, mm-hmm. when the pandemic was at its, at, at its worst, and uh, bringing us all down, and uh, trying to just trying to stay positive and, and be upbeat, and, uh, and that's what I was doing. And, I, and, I, and it, was, it was very uh, rewarding for me and very um, uh, uplifting. Mm. So uh, it was something that I, I really enjoyed doing. And, and in the comments I would get from, from the fans and the people that would, would uh, see it and listen to it, uh, it was very encouraging and made me feel good that maybe I was... Uh, doing something uh, to lift somebody up and help yeah. them in their life. Yeah. And uh, so it, it was, you know, it, it was uh, not as bad for me as uh, uh, as it could have been or, or it had been for other people. I mean, right. I was locked down. A lot of Buckingham shows were canceled, of mm. course, during that time period. But uh, that was, uh, you know, I mean, you had to roll with it. Just do what you have to do. Yeah, that's right. And, uh so it was it was a real pleasure to to just sit and play songs and uh, something I would have probably never thought about doing if it hadn't been for uh, COVID. You yeah, know? yeah. And, uh, well, and folks, if you're listening to Carl describe this and you're disappointed and you say, "Darn, I would have liked to have seen this," it's still available. So right. it's called "Live from the Basement." At the end of this interview, I'm going to tell you how to find it on YouTube. But we have a lot more to cover, and like I said, it is still out there, so you didn't miss out. You can still watch back. Let's take the audience back, Carl, so they can see how you got to present day and some of the projects that we've been talking about and still will talk about as this episode goes along. We could probably do an entire episode just on the Buckinghams in the 1960s alone, especially after all those highlights I read off in the intro. But instead, 
And this, too, might also serve as a teaching moment for anyone out there who is an aspiring performer. I would love to have you talk, Carl, about after the Buckinghams, starting with the duo that you formed and how that went, meaning both the successes and the challenges. Well, you know, after having so much success uh, with the Buckinghams in the late 60s, you know, 67, 68, uh, you know, the music scene was changing, too. And and, uh, it it seems like overnight, uh, the radio went from uh, AM to FM. Mm. And uh, and there was uh, starting to be a heavier, uh, more underground sound happening, you know, with, you know, after Woodstock and Monterey pop and and mm. uh, and a lot of the pop bands uh like like us you know i could name uh, a few others like the turtles and the association and uh gary puckett and the union gap and it, it, you know we, we were pop groups that uh, the, the audience was changing and maybe losing interest a little bit uh but also um uh, I was losing interest uh, with the Buckinghams, and I believe Dennis Tufano was too. Mm. Uh, we wanted to do something different. We wanted a. We, we were starting to become songwriters, singer songwriters, and, uh, and uh, we we wanted to expand on that. And we were really interested in the whole singer songwriter movement that was happening mm. in the very early seventies. You know, with Carol King and uh, and uh, Joni Mitchell and. James Taylor and so forth. And uh, so Dennis and I, the, the group, the Buckinghams broke up in 1970, the beginning of 1970. And Dennis and I, uh, Dennis Tufano and I continued uh, playing and writing together. And we started playing small venues around Chicago mostly and trying to get a handle on that. And it was kind of a new start. It was almost like starting over again. Hmm. And, uh, you know, we were, uh, we were doing a lot of writing. It was a very, uh, great time for us to uh, to uh, experiment with different sounds, and, uh, writing songs and, and singing together. And uh, as you know, I was originally the lead uh, the lead guitar player and the main guitar player in the Buckinghams. Yeah, and I knew I could sing, but I I I was mainly I wasn't as interested in being a lead singer at that point. I wanted to play guitar, you know mm. and. But when I got together with Dennis as a duet, uh, then it was, you know, we were 50-50 partners and I was doing half the singing. And that's sort of where my singing career really started uh-huh. as being a more of a lead singer. And uh, so uh, we were trying to get things off the ground and we did a demo. Um, we did a demo with um, uh, in Chicago with, uh, there was a group, I don't know if you remember, a band called Poco. Yeah. And uh, they were recording in a studio in Chicago for RCA. And uh, so our our manager, uh, John Polis, who was the original drummer of the Buckinghams, but he was managing us now, got us uh, an opportunity to go in the studio with some of the guys from Poco, uh, Timothy B. Schmidt on bass, uh, their, their drummer and so forth, and do a couple demos. And uh, so we recorded um, a couple songs. One of them was the uh, song I wrote called Music Everywhere. And uh, so it, it came out really nice. And uh, John Polis shopped it around trying to get a record deal. We got turned down by a lot of people. But somehow he managed to get the great Lou Adler on the phone and uh, uh, for those that don't know who Lou Adler is, he was one of the most well-known music people producers back in the day. He produced the Mamas and Papas, um, uh, well, it's quite a few different artists, but mainly at the time, he had just uh, produced uh, Carol King's album, Tapestry. Mm. And uh, uh, so it was just, we were shocked that John was able to get him on the phone. And, <laughs> and uh, he said, well, send, send me the demo. Let me hear it. And so we got him the demo, and the next thing we knew was uh, he wanted to sign us. Mm. And uh, he loved the song. He lo- you know, loved what we were doing. He brought us out to L.A. and listened to our whole repertoire of songs. And uh, I still remember being in the studio, me and Dennis, with uh, four microphones in front of us, our guitars and our voices, and singing the songs and and different people were coming in and out of the studio at the time because he was uh, busy doing different things and mm-hmm. wondering who we were. And mm. uh, I remember David Geffen was there. Wow. I, I remember um, uh, 
you know, I used to see Joni Mitchell all the time. You know, it was, mm. it was, it was that time. Uh, we were so excited to be involved in that. And Lou produced the first album we did. And uh, it wasn't uh, as successful as we had hoped. That was the only thing. It, it's the song Music Everywhere was the single song I wrote. And I think it, I think it made it to about 57 on the national charts. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was it. Uh, but we wound up over the course of uh, about six years, we did three albums with, you know, Lou Adler's custom label, which was Ode Records. And uh, Ode was part of A&M Records at the time. And uh, it was a very custom small label. I mean, the the, the only really uh, the only artists on a label besides us was Carol King and Cheech and Chong. Wow! And uh, that was the extent of it, really. And uh, uh, but you know, we we uh, we did some touring. You know, uh, when we were trying to push our records and get them out there, and uh, but there weren't too many artists we could tour with from the label. So uh, I remember they put us on tour with Cheech and Chong <laughs> and that was, that didn't go so well. Cause we were two guys playing love songs and Cheech and Chong were not, uh, their audience was not wanting to listen to yeah, what we had to yeah. sing, you know, so it was a little, it was a little rough, you know. But you know, I like all the storytelling that you're doing, especially because it does sound like, oh, well, some of this is glamorous, but I want to back up to when you said that you first started to form this duo with Dennis and the two of you had left the Buckinghams. You said it was like starting over. But I wonder at that time, before everything occurred that you just described for us, was it exciting or was it scary? I think it was a little of both. It was exciting because we were writing and, and trying out new songs, uh, but uh, it, it was disappointing sometimes because we would be playing in a club somewhere and people weren't listening. Mm. You know, we, we wound up being sometimes being background music to them talking and, and whatever. And uh, uh, sometimes it would make you a little angry because you wanted them to listen to what you had to say, yeah. what the songs were. But uh, but it was a little scary, too, because here, here we were starting out, uh, you felt like you were starting all over again. Yeah. You know, after selling millions of records, uh, all of a sudden, uh, you know. That's right, yeah. And playing to attentive crowds. <laughs> yeah. And and they stayed away from it. It's it's a crazy thing how how it things were. Uh, like Lou Adler didn't use any uh, PR on us that we were formerly of the Buckinghams. You know, mm. it's like I don't know for some reason uh, it was a no no to uh, in the seventies to be from the sixties and interesting. It's it's just crazy. And then you know, nineteen eighty comes along. And everything becomes sixties again. You know, all, all of a sudden there was a big demand for the Buckinghams again. You know, and uh, so it, it was it was uh, kind of crazy. But uh, but we kept you know pushing along, and uh, you know, and we did do three albums with uh, Lou Adler and uh, Ode Records, yeah. and uh, it was a great learning experience. Well, for the audience, the reason that I asked specifically to Carl, was it exciting or was it scary, is because the grass isn't always greener. So those of you who are in a band and you're thinking of leaving the band, thinking, I can do it better, I can have so much more success if I went out on my own, I'm not telling you don't do it, but just listen to Carl and his experience and the fact that it may seem exciting at first, but there are going to be some scary moments. And as I said, here were the Buckinghams that were used to playing in front of huge, attentive crowds, and all of a sudden, Carl and Dennis found themselves in front of crowds that weren't as big and weren't as attentive. So proceed with caution is the advice I'm giving those of you who are considering leaving a band. I think a lot of people are going to be interested to hear that after giving the duo seven years, Carl, you actually turned to jingles. So give us some insight to what that whole arena, as well as the way you say that that time was able to help you vocally. Well, um, you know, like I said, I, I started taking uh, singing more seriously when I uh, formed a duo with Dennis to begin with, and that was around 1972, 73. And, uh, and so, you know, several years of uh, doing, well, we did the three albums with Tofano and Jim Marisi, and, and, uh, and I sang lead on half the songs uh, all the time, you know. So I, I started to realize that, uh, well, you know, I guess I can sing, you know, and, 
and uh, but then I came back to Chicago after after six years or so of, of that. Uh, Dennis and I decided to uh, break up, um, and he was very very interested in, in being an actor and uh, uh. and so forth. Movies, so he stayed out in L.A. and we were spending a lot of time in L.A. at the time. I mean, because we were doing all our recording out there mostly, mm-hmm. um, and I was back and forth from Chicago quite a bit. Uh, but he stayed out there to, to pursue his acting career. And uh, so I came to Chicago wondering, what the heck am I going to do now? You know, uh, it, it was, it was, that was a scary time for me. I'm sure. You know, because I just, I didn't know. Uh, but Chicago uh, is a big jingle city town. A lot of the big ad agencies are here, uh, mm. like uh, Leo Burnett and Needham, and there, there's all the, the, you know, so a lot of jingles were being produced here. And uh, I connected with uh, a couple friends, um, one in particular, her name was Bonnie Herman, and Bonnie was one of the most well-known, I guess you'd have to say, jingle singer. Uh, it was a good, terrific voice and fantastic singer, and uh a great reader, you know, she's just great ear. And so she kind of took me under her wing and helped me get started and introduced me to different uh, jingle producers. Uh. Jingle producers, I don't know, I've been away from that for a long time, but you didn't really ha- have an agent when you were a jingle singer. You know, you, you, you pursued it on your own. You would call the producers and mm. I'm not a great salesman, you know, but uh, <laughs> you would call them. And a lot of times you'd say, hey, you know, I'm just calling to see, uh, let you know, I'm, oh, you know. And sometimes it would work out where they would say, oh, I'm really glad you called because, you know, we've got a session this afternoon and can you make it for wow. this, you know. Uh, wow. But but she uh, introduced me. She gave me a list of all the jingle producers and uh, put the word out and helped me uh, get started. And I put together a demo of like just jingle spots, you know. And then I started getting uh, calls, and uh, I'd say from around 1976, was it, or 77, until about 82, I probably sang on over 300 uh, different commercials. Sometimes lead, sometimes, uh, you know, a lot of background, uh, you know. Back in those days, it was very popular to do group singing with... uh, three, four, six, seven singers, you uh, know, okay. and uh, I would fit into that. And I did a lot of McDonald's commercials and, uh, you know, you deserve a break today, you know, and the McDonald's chant, da-da-da-da-da-da, uh, yeah. you know, Big Mac, filet of fish quarter-pounder French fries, icy Coke, <laughs> stick shake sundaes, and apple pie. You deserve a break today at McDonald's, you know. Uh, you know, that that stuff, that those, you know, RC Cola, beer commercials, um you know, it, it, it kept me really, uh, it's a lucrative business, you know. I, I still remember the first commercial I ever sang on. It was for Lava Soap, which I don't believe hmm. is in business anymore. <laughs> and everybody was excited. It was There were just three singers, and I got paid for the session. But uh, I didn't realize that it was going to run for a year. Hmm. And you get paid in 13-week cycles. So I was... Uh, Made a lot of money in wow. that, uh, from that one little commercial. You but know? educate us, why did doing jingle singing help you to read music more proficiently? What am I missing there? Um, well, you know, I, I did not uh, read, I mean, I could read a chord chart when I was playing guitar, you know, uh-huh. but I was really not uh, a reader. And I realized uh, really early on when I got into jingles that it's really important uh, to be able to sight read. Uh. And uh, so, um, because everything was very quick and fat. Back in those days, we had maybe about five, six, seven studios around Chicago, and it's, the sessions would be booked. You'd come in, they'd hand you the music, uh, here it is, do it, oh, you know, go in the studio, and you'd, you'd look at it, and it, it, it was nerve-wracking. You asked me what was, ner- you know, what made me nervous or, or was scary. <laughs> well, that was scary, because... <laughs> You, you were always afraid that you wouldn't be able to make sense of it. But mm. then as soon as you looked at it, you go, oh, let's see that, you know, and you figured it out right away and everything relaxed then, and then you felt good, you know, that you could do it. Gotcha. But I studied, uh, when I started doing the jingles, I, I was rec- a, a, a very great instructor, uh, teacher from Northeastern University, uh, Vincent Odo, his name was, uh, 
he was uh, holding classes for jingle singers. And uh, I, I signed up for his class, and I, I really worked hard at learning how to read. Okay. You know? And that, that made uh, all the difference. I'm away from, you know, I've, I've gotten rusty now because I don't use it much. Mm-hmm. But back then, I was really uh, uh, a good student of sight reading, mm-hmm. sight singing. And uh, and that, that was a very important part of, um, of being a you know, proficient uh, jingle singer. Yeah, it sounds like and, it. Uh, it sounds like and, it. You know, I know Lisa, Lisa McClowry still does uh, some jingle work, and and she's got such a great voice. I mean, <laughs> it's just uh, clear she's perfect for that too. She well, she could do a lot of different things, mm-hmm. but uh, but I was, uh, you know, I was really into it, and it was really happening. Uh, it sort of overlapped with me getting back into the Buckinghams again. Uh, okay. So. Okay. Uh, and we'll probably segue into that. But first, I want to just do a reset. I'm joined today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from Chicago by singer, songwriter, guitar player Carl Giamarisi. Visit his official website at com. I will have a link to it on the show page for this episode on my podcast website, nhte.net. Carl is also on Facebook. Plus, you'll also want to check out thebuckinghams.com. And then there is a Facebook page for them as well. Use these online destinations to keep up with Carl and for information on where and when you can go see him and the Buckinghams perform live. Carl's music, as you heard him say, is on Spotify, so give him a follow on there, but purchase his original music from the likes of iTunes and other online digital retailers. If you ever had your mother or maybe your spouse say to you, are you still wearing that old T-shirt? That thing is falling apart. Then it's not too different from me wondering why you would continue to wear headphones that are in bad shape too. I'm sure they can't be comfortable anymore and it just gets flat out annoying. I suffered through that until I met the folks from Deconi Audio who make replacement ear pads. Thanks to them, I was able to revitalize the headphones I'd been wearing that were peeling and I was ending up with black pleather flakes on my ears and or on my shirt. It's so simple to do and also makes them so much more comfortable. If you're a musician, a podcaster, a gamer, an audio engineer, basically, if you wear headphones, stop tolerating the bad condition that they're in. Bring them back to life with replacement ear pads from Deconi. I did an unboxing video that's on my at Watch NHT YouTube channel. No, I didn't forget the E. It's at Watch NHT. And there's a link in the description to the exact pads that I got, but they will match you up with the brand and model headphones you have so you get the replacement pads specifically for what you're wearing. On my podcast website, nhte.net, look for the Deconi Audio logo. It is in the right-hand column. If you're viewing the site on desktop or if you're looking at it on mobile, scroll way down to below the social media logos. Tap or click on the Deconi Audio logo to go over to their site to see all that they have available. Carl, it's always great to do collaborations, and you have seen benefits from that firsthand. Walk us through the chain of events relative to as you recorded duets across the miles and what started to happen after you were doing that. Well, um, I'm always looking for, for new projects to do and different different things to do. And... Uh, um, you know, to collaborate with. I mean, for instance, when I started singing with, uh, you know, both Lisa and Dave, uh, I found that right away that our voices blended really well, you know, and that, that helped a lot to, uh, to be able to get that vocal blend happening, you know, and that we matched up really well, you know, and, uh, cause you know, that, that isn't always the case. Mm. I mean, sometimes you, you don't, uh, you don't blend well with somebody or, or the, the, just the sound of your voices together doesn't work. But, um, but I had a feeling, uh, the first time I heard, you know, Lisa doing, uh, some different tracks that we were going to blend well together. And, uh, you know, and I knew I could sing really well with Dave and, uh, and I hope that, you know, there's, there's a lady who's a friend of mine. She's been friend, friends uh, for many years now. That's a dear friend of Darnley Wakefield's. Uh, that's who I met her through. And her name is uh, Kiki Epson, and uh, Kiki, Kiki is a very talented uh, pianist, singer, songwriter, and uh, I, I don't know if you remember uh, 
for all those that remember way back, <laughs> this is way back, her father was Buddy Epson. Oh, yeah. Uh, the actor, uh, the actor dancer from, from back, way back in the day. And, uh, but Kiki is very, very talented. And I'm, I'm looking forward to doing something with her, too. Uh, you know, we've been talking about uh, trying to pick a song or do a song that uh, we could do as a duet. And so, you know, so I'm, I'm just, uh, it's, it's something that I, I just, I love uh, recording and, and uh, I have a studio set up here and I do, I record at different places too that, uh, that um, work out, you know, when I can. And, you know, and it's, it's seasonal too. There's certain times of the year that the Buckinghams are, are very busy. Uh, like this whole summer, we sure. were on that Happy Together tour and uh, so forth. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to just continue making music as long as I can. Yeah, and I think the moral of the story here, kids, is that as Carl began releasing songs via social media across all streaming platforms, as you're hearing, that has led to even more solo and duo projects in addition to the Buckinghams. Carl, we've been mentioning our mutual friend Lisa McClowry, but there's someone else that you've been performing duo concerts with in the last two years that we haven't talked about yet. Share with us about all of that. Jim Peterick? Yep. Okay, well, well, Jim is a dear friend who uh, I've, I've known since, uh, it's just about since I've started in the music business. Wow. And, uh, you know, I go I go back with Jim uh, when he uh, started the Ides of March, and uh, and and they had uh, you know some some success uh, initially, but then of course they had a, a major hit with the song Vehicle, uh, that was uh, I think it was a number one record for them you know, um, but you know I've played on and off concerts with with Jim, uh, and the Ides of March uh, through the years, and we we have a show now that we do on a regular basis called the Cornerstones of Rock. And uh, the Cornerstones of Rock was a PBS special about maybe seven years ago now. It's been that long. Wow. But um, uh, it was a a pretty successful PBS uh, special. And uh, it included some of the legends from the Chicago area. And not only the Ides of March, but the Crying Shames, the New Colony Six, uh, the Shadows of Night. Uh, These are groups that had a lot of success, mostly in the Midwest area back in the day in the 60s. And uh, so we, we uh, turned it into a live concert show, and, and we've been uh, uh, performing maybe five or six, uh, seven shows a year. Oh. Uh, we just played last Saturday uh, at a theater called the Arcata Theater in St. Charles, Illinois, as part of that show. But uh, Jim and I have, uh, Jim Peterick and I have known each other a long time, and he is, you know, not only a great person, a uh, great guy to be around, uh, you know, and, but he's very, very positive and very encouraging. And I, I, you know, I always use him as an example to, to pick me up when I, you know, uh, he, he's an example of somebody who's always keeps pushing and doing new things. He mm. pushes the envelope. He's always writing. He's always re- performing, recording. You know, I think he did uh, some recording recently with uh, some new songs with the group Chicago, and he did some songs with the Beach Boys, and of course, wow. he was also uh, an intricate part of the group uh, Survivor back uh, years back, mm. and he uh, co-wrote the song "Eye of the Tiger," wow. uh, and and uh, the search is over, and you know, a lot of the thirty-eight special uh, hits, you mm. know, that he, he was involved. So him and I have been also going out and doing uh, a little duo thing where uh, an unplugged show where, you know, Ah. uh, he'll come on and do his hits uh, and he uses his his son, Colin, as a keyboard player. And of course, Jim plays guitar and uh, and they they do a set of of songs that way. Uh, And then I come on and... uh, do the same thing, do Buckingham hits unplugged uh, using my keyboard player, Bruce Soboroff, as a, as a backup guy, and I, I play acoustic guitar and sing sing our songs. And then Jim comes back out and joins uh, Bruce and I, and uh, the four of us uh, will finish the show and with uh, Eye of the Tiger and, uh, uh, and Vehicle, you know, usually, mm-hmm. you know. So we've done that an, a number of times uh, and it's it's been a lot of fun to do that too. You know, we were at the city winery last time, 
that we did that a little while back. And uh, so that's, you know, just one more thing. And it's a great uh, opportunity to add more storytelling to uh, your show because, uh, you know, I can set up songs by telling a little bit uh, about what, uh, how they came about and what happened and what was going on when we first recorded it. And, That's right. You know, it's just um, a really nice way to interact with the audience. Yeah. And folks, I think there's another name that still has not been mentioned as much as we've talked about all these collaborations that Carl has done. And obviously you're hearing by this point in this episode the power of these collaborations and how much Carl has embraced working with others and not only solo work. Carl, I'm thinking slash hoping that you'll get a bit of a break, maybe well-timed with the holidays coming up, meaning that you were pretty busy out on the road with someone else for a three-month summer tour. Tell the folks who I'm talking about in that tour. Well, uh, first of all, I'm talking. we're talking about the Happy Together Tour. Yeah. And uh, the Happy Together Tour has been around uh well we did a happy together tour i have to say this way back in 1985 mm-hmm. and that was uh that was a seven month tour and it was just crazy of course mm-hmm. i was a lot younger too so <laughs> it's a little easier to do it but uh back in 2010 happy together started up and uh in the 12 years it's been in existence uh the buckingham's uh, nick fortuna who is my partner nick is the yeah. other original buckingham now that we tour together, yeah. uh, but we've been a part of that tour seven of the of the twelve years it's been around, mm. and it, it's it's uh, it plays all over the country uh, for three months. Uh, this this year it was fifty eight one nighters. Wow! And uh, it's a grueling it's a grueling schedule because wow. you're in a different city every day. Wow! So I traveled on the road. I don't do. They have two tour buses, and I don't do very well on the tour bus. So uh, uh, myself and my dear friend, Gary Puckett, of course, Gary Puckett and the Union Gap, Gary Puckett and I, uh, along with uh, uh, one other person, Troy from the Vokes, uh, the three of us uh, traveled around the country using a minivan mostly, uh, Mm -hmm. flying some dates, but but mostly driving a minivan. And and it's, you know, it's a wonderful tour because... You know, God bless all our fans because they still want to hear our music. They still come out. We're we're very blessed to have uh, such a great uh, following and great support because, you know, we're playing major venues all over the country. There's, you know, on the average, uh, there are two, two, three thousand seat venues, some of the old theaters on the East Coast, Mm -hmm. a lot of the big outdoor shows and fairs. You're playing sometimes to six, seven thousand people. And uh, they're always sold out, and uh, so it was a great tour. Yeah, it was a great tour. I don't know that I would do it again mm. uh, at this point in my life because uh, it, it's it, it, it's a lot of work. It's yeah. you know, it's, it's a lot of traveling. You know. Well, every once in a while, we get a guest on this show who talks about performing on a cruise ship. Jesse Ritter, just last month on episode four fifty five talked about having started out that way. Benny Bassett back in June on episode 435. I'm also thinking of Samantha Lee from episode 342. She has done a lot of performing on cruise ships. Carl, the Buckinghams continue to be popular nationally and travel coast to coast. And yes, y'all perform on music cruises too, which I'm sure have to be a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. It, it, it's a great experience. We've got one coming up, uh, I believe it's March 23rd, uh, the Flower Power Cruise. It's a celebrity celebrity ship cruise, you know, and uh, it, it's it's going to be, um, well, we're actually on it for four days, and we do uh, two shows on that one, but I would have to say that's could be the best one we, we've uh, played on because uh, uh, they do such a great job of... Uh, filling it with with entertainment of you know there's probably about 10 major acts on that tour you wow. know, the grassroots it, it's a 60s tour uh the, the grassroots uh, f- f- uh peter noon herman's hermits uh i think the, the eyes of march are going to be on that too uh I, I don't know the whole lineup right now i think felix cavallari uh from the rascals um I know the Beach Boys have been on that uh, mm. cruise with us. Uh, there, there's just, uh, uh, you know, it's just so well well run, and they have, uh, you know, major s- 
stages set up at different strategic places on the ship. Uh, and it's it's the whole, you know, I've been on, on played on cruises where uh, it's a cruise within a cruise where they have maybe uh, 300 fans are part of your little thing uh, on the ship. But this is the whole ship. Wow. This is, uh, uh, you know, I don't know how many people exactly will be uh, guests on this uh, cruise, wow. but it's going to be a lot, you know, and it's, it's, uh, well, once again, the flower power cruise, celebrity cruise, it's, okay. it's, uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Well, as we wind down this interview and this calendar year, what is ahead for you for 2023? Because you've said it already during our conversation that you're not stopping anytime soon. No, well, what's ahead is, is, uh, we're building a schedule right now for 2023. And, um, uh, right now, I think we have about 17, 18 dates on our schedule, and, and uh, it'll probably expand to about maybe 40 or 50, you know, for the year this year. Hmm. I mean, uh, this year was exceptional because we had the Happy Together Tour, and we played about, I think, 20 dates before we started the tour, which uh, was June 1st, I believe it was, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then I played some more dates in between with my band, and then we've been playing almost nonstop. So uh, since the, the tour ended, which was uh, about September 1st, so, you know, I, I probably wound up, the Buckinghams will probably wound up playing about 75, 80 dates this year. Wow. You know, which is uh, a lot, a lot for, for us, uh, a lot for me, you know. I'll be honest, I'm slowing down a little bit. I'm holding back. You know, I'm still, God bless, I'm still able to do this, and uh, I'm in, in really good shape physically. But, you know, you reach a point in your career where you, you just feel that uh, it's time to slow, to slow it down a little bit, you know. Well, and you've already said that you can stay home and record new music either with people that are there in Chicago or remotely. So it's probably going to be a little bit more of that balance, I imagine, where you're going to keep it manageable in terms of what you're doing out on the road, but also not stop at home and say, okay, I've got my own studio right here. I might as well record more music without having to leave town. Yeah. Well, you know, the new way of recording, too, is... is um I, I miss the old old days a little bit where you have uh, five guys in the studio together cutting a basic track mm. and working off of each other. And, uh, you know, that's the way we used to do things, of course. But now, you know, with the new way of recording, uh, digital uh, computer-based recording, and we send each other wave files back and forth, yeah. you know. And, uh, you know, like if I, if I need a vocal track from somebody, I'll send them the song, uh, maybe with a rough vocal and give them an idea what I'm looking for. And then they'll, they'll do a vocal and they'll send it back. They'll just send me back a wave file of, of the vocal, you know, mm -hmm. and then I'll attach it to the song. And I mean, I'm, I'm simplifying it right now. Yeah, it's, sure. it's more complicated sure. than that, but, uh, you, you don't have to, um, uh, get together uh, in person anymore to record. You That's know? right. And it's uh, in a way, it's a little sad. You know, I mean, it's I still miss miss that. Like I said, but um, but it's okay. You know, I mean, it's it's working out. It's uh, I've been able to uh, because of this new way of recording. I, you know, I've been able to do a lot of different projects, and and uh, you know, the last solo album I did uh, was in. 2016, I guess it was, uh, an album called Living in the Moment, and uh, which uh, uh, my wife accuses me of not doing sometimes. She gives me a hard time because, you know, you're, you're busy uh, thinking ahead or thinking about the future or whatever, you know, and sometimes you you lose track of, of just enjoying the moment, you know, yeah, living yeah. in the moment. You know? And so one of the cuts on the album was titled Living in the Moment, mm -hmm. and uh, and it was a collection of songs I wrote, uh, you know, both lyrically and musically, and did most everything myself on it, and uh, um, so that, uh, you know, that was a, a fun project to do. Well, and on that note, we're going to close today with another one of Carl's original songs, one called Whisper and a Sigh. Carl, before I let you go and I play that track, share with the audience all about this one, if you would, please. 
Well, you know, I just got done mentioning living in the moment. So this song is is a part of that album. It's, uh, I believe, it's the the first cut on the album, a whisper and a sigh. And uh, a lot of the songs on the album are love songs, and this one is too. Uh, uh, the first line of the song, uh, with a whisper and a, and a tear, whenever I think of you, uh, the love I have for you is clear. Uh, it's always there. It's always you. You know. And uh, so it, it's it's a love song, but it's it's an up it's not a melody song. It's an up tempo song that's uh, got a lot of energy to it. And uh, you know, it, I have to say it's my my favorite cut on the album. Mm. So you know, I hope everybody would enjoy it. Well, Carl, it's been so much fun having you on the show. Thank you so much. Congratulations on everything that you're still doing. I know you say you think you're slowing down, but my gosh, I think you're working circles around some people that are half your age. So thank you for finding time to be on now here this entertainment. Well, Bruce, thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. Uh, uh, Lisa was right. You're a great interviewer, and uh, it was a pleasure to be on your show. Thank you. Thank you. That means a lot. I do appreciate it. And folks, with that, I will wrap up another new episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. My sincere thanks to singer, songwriter, guitar player Carl Giamarisi. Do visit his official website at carlgiamarisi.com. Again, I will have a link to it on the show page for this episode on my podcast website, nhte.net. Remember to connect with Carl on Facebook. I already did it myself this morning, and I know he would appreciate you doing the same. Give him a follow on Spotify, although please support him by purchasing his music from iTunes or other similar online digital music retailers. You'll also want to look on YouTube, by the way, for TCV Media, as in Thomas Charlie Victor, TCV Media. That is the YouTube channel where you can see the Live from the Basement videos that Carl talked about that he did during the pandemic. Plus, you can see the Easy Lover video there that he talked about at the start of this episode, and even a couple videos Carl did with Lisa McClowry. Remember to also check out thebuckinghams.com and their Facebook page, too. Keep up with Carl online for information on where and when you can go see him and the Buckinghams perform live. And be sure to tell Carl that you heard him and his music on Now Hear This Entertainment. Folks, I hope you enjoyed the interview and you like the show itself. If you want to extend a gesture to let me know as much, go to my podcast website, nhte.net, and look for the yellow logo there that says, Buy Me a Coffee, and do exactly that. It would mean a lot to me because it tells me that you like what I'm putting out each week. It does not matter where you're located. It's a way that we can, quote-unquote, have a hot beverage together virtually. You can even put a personal note on there for me to see. That's going to do it for episode 460. Thanks ever so much for listening. I'll send you out today with another song from Carl Giamarisi. This is the one he just talked about. It's called Whisper and a Sigh. With a whisper and a tear Whenever I, I think of you The love I have for you is clear It's always there It's always you With a whisper and a sigh That's how I I think of you It's so hard the reason why When love runs high What can I do? I can't help but fantasize The way that I Do over you There ain't no way I can disguise I know I'm true With a whisper and a sigh Whenever I I think of you I never want to say goodbye My love runs high Just for you I always wanted you this way This way Bye. Mm-hmm.
so near, but I still fear we'll never be. With a whisper and a sigh, that's how I. 